You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. All right, well, as you can see, it's Christmas time, and um, a couple weeks, actually it was a month ago, it was uh, Wednesday night, uh, November 1st, one of my high school students comes running up to me in the hall during the journey, and she's like, Matt, Matt, guess what tonight is? Guess what today is? And I'm like, I don't know, Wednesday? She's like, no, it's Christmas, and she's got Christmas music, and I'm like, come on. I mean, she's just super jacked about the Christmas spirit. This was November 1st. My, my daughter's been playing Christmas music since probably the 5th. Um, anyway, um, it, it did kind of resound with me because I, I don't know about you guys, but I love Christmas. I love this time of year. Um, I realize there's a lot of issues, but I love all the, everything that makes Christmas up. My family and I, uh, we've had uh, great traditions. I mean, we, we always go out to this place in Helvetia. We have since my kids were little. Every year, and now I don't have little kids, now I've got fiancés and uh, daughters-in-law and whoever will show up, but we still do that, and it's just something we love to do. It's kind of, I guess I'm old school, some of my students are like, we brought a real tree into the youth room, and they're like, one of my kids, exactly, he's like, you know, that's got all kinds of bugs and mites in it. I'm like, hey, did, did your dad tell you that? Because how would you know? And I said, it probably does, and they're probably good for you. Uh, anyway, uh, we, we do, we do that. Um, uh, something else I'll just admit to you, I am a Christmas movie junkie. I mean, every year, you know, the Griswolds come on and, and I know there's some stuff, so don't send me any emails about this, but, um, I love this family. I love this story because here's Clark. Here's this guy. He's just trying to make a great holiday for his whole family. He's trying to make everything perfect. And you know how that never seems to go right. And, but he's got this, this optimism. And, and there's some great tender moments in this as he's reminiscing the past. But things don't always go right, especially when guys like this show up, you know. Um, Cousin Eddie. What's funny about this is some of you guys are Cousin Eddie and you don't even know it. <laughs> That's you. We better get off of that in a hurry. Um, and it's not that I embrace all the things that these movies uh, are, are, are saying about how life is. I think uh, poor Clark, he misses the big idea, but... Um, we can relate to the anticipation of this season, right? I mean, we can all say amen to dysfunctional families and, and, and expectations that are often way over the top this time of year that this America, our American Christmas can't really fulfill. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. And as a, as a kid, um, gosh, I remember with my brothers coming down on Christmas morning and, and we were just jacked, man. We were, we were waiting to get into those presents. And, and my mom would always stop us and she'd want to read the Christmas story out of the book of Luke, the very stories that we're reading here. And um, I'll tell you, it, it, was, it was a nightmare for me. It was, it was all we could do to sit there and like, okay, okay, we get it. Jesus, manger. We just, are, we, we wanted the treasures under the tree, some of you guys, okay, don't look at me like I'm the only one that ever thought that. We, we, wanted, we wanted those shiny, our, our hope was in those gifts. But my mom, she, her, hope, her hope wasn't under that tree. She saw something else, and it would be years until I saw what, what she saw. Her hope was in the one who was going to come and who was gonna, who was gonna ultimately send God, who was gonna send his, his eternal son into time and space. 
in order to, to deliver and to rescue a people that, that, had, that had wandered off the path and, and were living lives of sin and destruction. And so, so her hope was in that. And, and, and really, that's the heart of what Christmas is, you guys. The heart of Christmas is a rescue mission. I, I love how John Piper puts it. He says, Christmas is first and foremost an indictment in that just knowing that we need a savior, it indicts us. Yes, we need to be saved. We need to be rescued. We look around this world. We look around our own lives and relationships and realize, man, it's, it's, things, things are broken. And we're powerless to do anything about it. So unless God moves, man, nothing's going to change. But as we saw last week, God is a God who moves. And we started talking about this story Last week, uh, Gary showed us, Gabriel shows up to the, the old priest, Zachariah, remember this? Zachariah's married to Elizabeth, and she's, they're, they're super old, and she's childless, and, and way too old to have kids, and, and so Zachariah's, he's, he's offering a once-in-a-lifetime sacrifice in the temple, and an angel shows up, and he's, he's gripped with fear, and, and the angel says, look, Zachariah, relax, you're going to have a son, and, and he's not just going to be any son, his name's going to be John, and he's going to be, he's going to be great among the Lord, or great before the Lord. Zechariah, considering the age of his wife, he, just, he doesn't believe initially. I mean, the text says he does not believe. And unfortunately, um, I mean, he, he just looks at the, the physical impossibilities of it, and he doesn't believe, and so, so he's silenced. Right, so Zechariah goes home and he doesn't have a lot to say, but, but guess what? God shows up and after he gets home, Elizabeth gets pregnant and she's going to have a child. And so that's where we left the story. God is working the impossible. And so we're going to pick it up in chapter, or chapter 1, verse, verse 26. Let's do this. So Mary's, or Mary's pregnant. Elizabeth's pregnant. And we read, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at these words and, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, how's this going to happen, Mary? He said, I I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to have been unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel's gone. He left. And so it's been six months since Elizabeth got pregnant. And now Gabriel's back. And, and he comes to this little obscure town called Nazareth. And it's interesting that Luke, who's writing this account, doesn't think his original audience really knows where that is. So he says, it's, it's Nazareth, you, you know, it's over in Galilee. So they would know where that is, but Nazareth, it's such an obscure place out of the way that people just didn't know where it was. 
And, and he comes to Mary, who's this teenage girl who is pledged to be married to this guy named Joseph, and, um, and, and it says she's a virgin. So they're, they're, they're waiting. They're in this betrothal period. And he shows up, and this angel just says, greetings, you who are highly favored. And he says, the Lord is with you, and, and don't be afraid. And uh, Mary, you have found favor with God. And, and Mary's perplexed by this. So, so what's going on with this greeting here? I, I think it's really simple. I think the angel's just saying, hey, Mary, you are a recipient of God's grace. Right, you are a recipient of the favor of God. Mary didn't earn this. There's nothing in and of Mary to, to, to deserve this. The angel, angel's just saying, God chose to favor you because God chose to favor you. I mean, it's just simple. And it's weird that we in the church, sometimes we get Mary, we get her all kind of weird and get kind of crazy about some theology. The, the thing that's significant about Mary is that she's just so ordinary. In this small little town, this, this young teenage girl, and, and she's greatly troubled at his words. Um, and, and she's wondering what kind of greeting this, much, this might be. The, the original word for wondered has the, has the sense that she's pondering. She's mulling this over. She's, she's having a conversation with herself. She's trying to figure out what in the world an angel of God would be doing talking to me. What would he be doing here in Nazareth? What, what could he possibly want for, from, from me? And, and she's puzzled. Zachariah was gripped with fear when the angel showed up. Mary's not gripped with fear about the angel. She's more concerned about why he's there and what he's saying. What kind of, what kind of greeting is this? I mean, we have categories. At least it makes sense for an angel to show up when a priest is at, in a worship service in Israel offering a sacrifice. But what's he doing here? What's he doing in Nazareth? It just doesn't make any sense. So she's, she's wondering, she's, she's thinking about what's going on here. I mean, you got the right message perhaps, but you got the wrong address. Why are you here? And, and so that's what's going on. She's, she's pondering the unmerited favor of God in her life. She didn't deserve it. She hasn't earned it. It's, it's weird that he's there. And so she's trying to think what this might mean. And then he drops this message on her. He says, Mary, you're going to have a son. And, 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 and you're going to call his name Jesus, which means God saves. And, and he's going to be the son of the Most High. He's going to receive the throne of his father, David. He's going to reign over Jacob's descendants forever. He's going to have an eternal kingdom. Mary, you're going to have the son that your people have been waiting for for centuries. It's, it's, this is an astounding Claim that this is, this is uh, it's loaded with historical significance, every one of these. And we can't look into every one, but, but I want us to just take a little trip back through the Old Testament so we can understand what's going on here. I mean, if you're not familiar with the, with the Old Testament, you're like, David, all these, you know, eternal reign, what, what, what's going on? Well, way back in the beginning, in Genesis, when God created man and woman and everything was great, and man and woman choose to turn and rebel against God, and we wanted to define right and wrong for, our, for ourselves. We didn't need God's help. And in that, because of that, the consequences of sin um, have, have just infected our entire world, our relationships, everything. And instead of turning his back on us, the God of Scripture, whew, this is amazing, he's, he's the God who pursues us in our sin. He comes after us because he's merciful and he's gracious. And so, so, Right in the beginning, we, we read this promise in Genesis 3, 
15, where, where God is speaking to the serpent who deceived Eve. He's the personification of evil. And he says, listen, your murderous, suffering-causing reign is going to be over. And there's going to be one who's coming, and he's going to be born of a woman, and he's going to crush your head. Gary calls him the snake crusher. I love it. That's exactly who this one to come is. But as we're standing here and we're looking back, we're trying to figure out, okay, who's this going to be? It's obscure. We, we, we know it's a man, and we know he's coming from a woman. And as you read on, you get to passages like, like um, oops, let's go back, Genesis 12, where we read that, that God calls Abram, this man to himself, and he's the father of the Jewish people. And, and he says, all people on earth are going to be blessed through you. And so as we're reading this, we're like, oh, maybe, maybe this, this, this one who's going to save and rescue and restore is coming through Abraham. And then in 17, we, we see that not only are his nations going to come from this man, Abram, but kings are going to come from him. So possibly it's this male Jewish king that's coming, and we keep reading, and we, real, and we get to 49, and we realize that the scepter, the, this kingly um, royal language, will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff between his feet, until he who come to him, excuse me, until he to whom it belongs shall come. So there's one coming, and there's, a, there's this royalness about this character, and he's coming from the tribe of Judah. And then there's this weird little prophecy by this scoundrel, this guy named Balaam in, in the book of Numbers. And, and he's a shady character, but God uses him anyway. And he says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. There's a king coming. And so if you're reading, you're thinking, hey, man, this might be David, right? King David, he was a great... King, but then we get to 2 Samuel, which is a mountaintop in the Old Testament. And, and the prophet comes speaking for God, and he, he says to David, I'm going to raise up your offspring, and I will establish his kingdom. So it's not David. It's going to be someone after David. And I will be his father, and he will be my son. And, and there will be, David's throne will be established forever. And we're like, all right, he's coming. But it's not long after this that devastation hits. The, the, the people of God are continuing in their sin and they find themselves in captivity. And, and the question is, is God done with us? I mean, you see this in the Psalms. You see these, 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 this kind of panic rise. Man, have you, have you spurned? Are you, have you rejected this king, this anointed one? Have you defiled his crown? Where's the, where's the former love that you, it, that you swore to David? Where's our king? Are you done with us is kind of the, the thrust of what's going on here. And then it's out of this that, that we read these incredible prophecies like from Isaiah where, where we get the word that, no, no, the virgin will come and give birth to a son and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then again in chapter nine, with the, the one Sam just read this morning for Advent, for unto us a child is given, a, or a child is born, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called all these amazing names and, and of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end and he will reign on David's throne forever and he's gonna establish justice, he's gonna establish righteousness from that time on and forever. There's gonna be something eternal about this figure. And, and I love this, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. If the Lord hadn't have stepped in, if he hadn't been the God who pursues us, none of this would have been done, but the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. You can count on it. It's gonna happen. So the question's not if, it's when and how. Gabriel shows up to Mary and says, Mary, it's happening now. He's here. He's gonna be your child. 
Somehow you are gonna, you are gonna give birth to this son. You're gonna be involved. Years later, the apostle Paul in Galatians would write about it like this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might redeem, re, excuse me, receive adoption to sonship. God's putting the family back together. He's bringing us back together. He hasn't left his people. And Mary is going to be involved. Mary is going to have this child. Now listen, it would have been unthinkable, unthinkable for most Jews to think that the, the divine would come down and take on physical or human form, let alone be in the side of, inside of a womb of a teenage girl. And so there's this amazing statement that the angel says to Mary, and she's just got one little question, and I love it. She just says, look, how's this going to happen? I'm a virgin. And it's such an honest question, isn't it? It's just this simple question. It's what any rational person would ask. Look, we're not having sex here, right? Joseph and I are waiting. And, and so how is this going to happen? And, and she, she doesn't do what a lot of dishonest questioners do, right? You know people that they're throwing up questions, but they don't want to know the answer. They're basically saying, look, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. There is no way this can happen. She doesn't take the lazy way out that so many people who ask kind of dishonest questions ask. People that would never consider and possibly be open to believing something that once seemed unbelievable if they would just sit and you know, maybe listen. She's willing to hear, but she doesn't throw out her reason and her rationale. Do you guys see that? I think that's important. I mean, because let's be honest, we come to passages like this in the scripture and they're hard for us in our modern scientific age to believe. Right, a virgin birth? Come on, Matt. I mean, but listen, it wasn't any easier for Mary. I mean, we, we somehow think we're so far advanced. She knows where babies come from. She's not questioning. I mean, her question is the same question we would have. And, and I just think it's a very arrogant view of history and of our ancestors to think that these guys were just these poor peasants who have no, no uh, basis in reality, who are just super superstitious and just believe whatever. We don't see that in Mary. She questions. And it's a simple question. The answer's difficult, but the question is really simple. How's this going to be? Man, it's all right to ask questions. You guys know that? It's okay. I I mean, questions are good. I I talked to a couple of our college students who were back from college last weekend. They were home for the holiday, and um, these guys are studying things their parents never studied, and they're being challenged by some pretty intense worldviews. These guys are going to have questions. My, My high school students coming out of their biology classes, they've got questions for me. I mean, there's nothing, you guys have questions. We all have questions. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to ask questions. I mean, questions about the supernatural. How, how are we supposed to believe this? Questions about the Bible itself. Can, can, can I really believe that the Bible is the infallible, inerrant word of God? Can dead people really rise? Do you expect me to believe that? They're honest questions. They're good questions, especially today in light of our, our uh, worldviews that are all over the place. I mean, we got people like Richard Dawkins and the late Chris, Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris towering from their, or shouting from their ivory towers, there is no God, right? You can't be a rational thinking person and believe in a personal God, right? You certainly can't be a scientist. And these guys arrogantly, they arrogantly proclaim these things because their foundation, their starting point is atheism. There is no God. No questions, don't question it, it's done, 
Well, listen, they go no further than that. If you embrace that, that really narrow-minded, kind of naturalistic uh, ideology and worldview, you can't go any farther than that. And the sad thing for guys like this, these guys are smart guys. The sad thing is they're never going to actually embrace what they've been looking for their whole lives. They're going to miss out on the greatness of God who has given them the very breath they're using to mock him with. And don't make that mistake. Ask questions. I tell my students, man, ask questions. Um, it's, it's important. But ask in a way where you're open and that you can possibly maybe come to some new truth that you didn't know before. That's what Mary does. That's what it means to be part of, created in the image of God. We're, we're inquisitive beings. We want to know things. There's nothing wrong with that. But do it in a way that's humble and do it in a way that you might experience and learn something new. How will this be? I've never known a man. And so Gabriel, he lays it on her. He says, look, the Holy Spirit's gonna come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One will be born to you, will be called the Son of God. This language is creation language. This is the same language we see in Genesis where the Spirit of God is creating out of nothing. Or, or in, later in the Old Testament where the, the presence of God is dwelling over the tabernacle and he's gonna fill it with his presence. The Spirit is, is hovering. The angel's saying something amazing here. He's like, Mary, the Most High God it's going to overshadow you. And somehow in this, this mysterious way, he, he's, he's, he, he's going to do that so that the child you conceive will be called the Holy One, the Son of God. The original language liter literally says he will be called the Holy. Man, I just want to pop my shoes off. I mean, this is holy ground. He's going to be the Holy, and he's going to be called the Son of God. Whereas, whereas John was called great in the eyes of the Lord, Jesus is going to be great because he is the Lord. And he's going to have not only the character of God, but, but literally the, the, the divine nature is going to be implanted in Mary's womb. And I don't know. I don't know how that happens. It's, it's mysterious. We have to embrace some of the mystery. Um, maybe 23 of Mary's chromosomes. He's going to be fully man. He's probably going to have her eyes but he's going to be fully God at the same time, fully divine. No one's ever seen anything like this. We, we read about in the New Testament, John, the, the apostle, he writes, in the beginning was the word. The word is Jesus in this context. And the word was with God and the word was God. And then he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we saw him. We saw his, not only him, we saw his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And the Apostle Paul in, in Colossians, man, he's, he's like, look, all the, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And one of my favorite passages in Hebrews 1, we read these words, that the Son, that is Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And God is gonna send his holy Son into this world, into the vulnerable womb of Mary. And he's going to be named Jesus because he's going to save us from our sins. And it's a miracle. Does your worldview allow for miracles? Because you can't have Jesus without the miraculous. I mean, he comes to us in a miraculous way. And he's going to leave in a miraculous way and then he's going to come back in a miraculous way. And if your worldview doesn't allow for miracles, you can't have Jesus. 
That's it. It's a miracle. It's mysterious. We sing songs at Christmas about this, right? Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see hail, incarnate deity. That's all we can do. We sing about it. It's amazing. Gabriel keeps going. He says, look, even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to have been unable to conceive, she's in her sixth month. And and then he drops these words that are like bedrock for the soul. He says, no word from God will ever fail. Some of your translations say nothing is impossible with God. And and so in that statement, he's like, Mary, think about that. There's almost a question. Mary, you believe in God, right? I mean, she's a Jew, right? You know the history of God and working with your people. You know how he's delivered your people throughout the generations. You've seen people submit their lives to him, and you've seen his blessing in their lives. You know, you believe in God, right? Mary, do you think this is too hard for God to pull off? If he creates out of nothing, don't you think he can do what he's telling you he's going to do here? Because Mary, no word of God has ever failed, and no word of God will ever fail. And if he's with you, like I told you he was, all things are possible. And so she, she's sitting there. I mean, this is amazing. I, I, you know, Gary tells us, try, try and get into the store. I don't know what it would be like. I don't know what it would be like. I know it would be completely overwhelming, but there's something about those words. There's something about the grounding in the nature and the goodness and the faithfulness of God that causes her to just say, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. And she she accepts it and she believes it. And she trusts and and she submits her life to the Lord. And look, there's going to be cost. I mean, what's she going to tell her parents? Yeah, I was talking to Gabriel, you know, the angel from the book of Daniel. He showed up and uh, you wouldn't believe what he said. You know, what's she going to tell her husband? I mean, you can read about that in Matthew's account of this. You know, unless the angel shows up there, they're divorced. And, and the, the town gossips, I mean, they're going to have a field day with this. And if the law finds out in that culture, I mean, she could lose her life. There's going to be a cost. I don't know how you're going to do this, Lord, but I'm going to trust you. And, and whatever it means, I'm going I'm to trust you. And she believes. And at that, Gabriel's gone. It's like mission accomplished. And I love what the author Philip Yancey says about this. He says, often a work of God comes with two edges, great joy and great pain. And in the matter of fact response that Mary did, she embraced both of them. The Virgin Mary, whose parenthood was unplanned, I love that line, was the first person to accept Jesus on his own terms regardless of personal cost. It's it's amazing. And so Mary demonstrates the fact to Or or she just says that she's willing to, whatever this word implies, I'm willing to submit my life to it and be a servant of the unusual. And Mary will become the son or the mother of the son of God who not only hears his word, but puts that word into practice. It's an amazing, amazing story. Mary is, she's like us in a way. It's kind of weird, but think about this. She, she's never met Jesus, the, the God man. She's never met him yet, 
but she's heard a message about him. It's like a gospel message. It's, it's telling what he, who he is and what he's going to be like and what he's going to do. And then she has to, has to respond. I mean, she can throw walls up. She can, she can argue with the angels. She can, she can take all kinds of things. She can, she can do all kinds of different, have different responses, but she chooses to submit her life to the Lord. Right? We have the same choice. I mean, when we're confronted with the word of God, I think Mary is a great guide for us. And when God's word comes to you, even here today, I mean, the first thing you need to do is you need to realize that, that why, you need to wrestle with the fact that God wants to show his grace to you. Why would he do that? Why would he be gracious to you? You, you know what you're all about. Why would a holy God the most high God want to come and embrace and have a relationship and restore you. Man, that's something worth thinking about. It's something worth pondering. Because one of the greatest characteristics of the God of Scripture is that he is a God of grace. And he sees us in our need and he pours out his provision in our lives. A son is given. One of the most famous passages in the scripture is John 3.16. You see it at every football game. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. Because God did not send his son into the world to condemn it but to save the world through him. This, this is the heart of Christmas. This is what it's about. It's a rescue mission. And so this Christmas, today, the next few weeks, man, ponder Think about the unmerited favor that God wants to show you through his son as you put your faith and trust in him and believe in his son. So Mary thinks about that. And then Mary reasons and, and, and she asks good questions. And her, her question asks for information, but it also shows that she's open to information that, that might seem unbelievable at first. She's willing to hear. Are you willing to hear? Or have you just slammed the door? You got it all figured out? Or, or possibly do you think the God, the most high, the one who created you and has given you the very breath you're breathing right now, do you think maybe he might be able to, to guide you and lead you and teach you some things that maybe you didn't know or may, maybe you thought were not possible? And don't wait till you have everything figured out to trust him. Bring your questions. He knows your, your doubts, but bring them to him. Take a step of faith, trust him, and see if he doesn't show up and start a journey that, that <laughs> quite frankly, it'll be the journey of a lifetime, both now and forever. And finally, Mary, she completely surrenders. Again, she didn't have it figured out, but she submitted to the God who is with her. And, and that's what scripture says about this God. He is the God who wants to be with us. He is Emmanuel, the God who's with us. And he sends his son into the world and many of us know where his son's going to end up. And we know the lengths he's going to go for you. But right now, he's telling Mary, he's coming into the world. And, and really, this is the heart of this season. This is the heart of Christmas. It's not merely an indictment. Christmas is an invitation. It's an invitation for us to, to stop and to think and to marvel and to wonder at who this great God is and who, who his son is. And the, the, the heights he stepped down to. I mean, a humble God? Who's ever heard of such a thing? It's right here. Jesus is the humble God who comes and he, he wants to walk with you and he wants to heal and restore you 
and have a relationship with you. And he, wanted, he wants to lead you in the way of everlasting. And that's why he's come. And will you put your faith, will you trust again, or maybe for the first time, in the God of possibilities? He loves you and he's come for you. You can trust him. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.